Thanks, Ethan. Uh, hi, everyone. My name's Jono. If we haven't met before, uh, it's great to be here with you. Uh, maybe this is stating the obvious, but it's Sunday afternoon, the 29th of October, which means it's springtime uh, in Bagara. There's a, there's a gentle breeze blowing. Uh, and you're attending or listening into a, a church service of sorts uh, where we pray and sing, where the Bible is read and where we have some explanation uh, of the Bible. We're up to that little bit in the church service now. And, and this thing that we're doing, uh, it's been happening for on the Sunday for a couple of thousand years, ever since the Lord Jesus Christ rose from death to life. All over the world, believers uh, gather together to worship the God of the Bible and to encourage each other in this faith while also looking to invite others uh, to join us. But why aren't there more people putting their hand up, so to speak, to trust and follow Jesus? If he did really rise from death to life, That is no small thing. If Jesus really did teach with such authority and heal with such compassion, why not a greater following? Or or as the atheist Percy Shelley said, if God has spoken, why is the world not convinced? Uh, Would there be a greater following uh, if God somehow made himself clearer? more evidence, more information. Uh, I'd trust in Jesus, says someone, if only he would make himself clearer. Uh, We're kind of in the ballpark of a question like that uh, this afternoon as we step into this eyewitness account that was just read for us. It's not spring in Bagara, but winter in Jerusalem, so it is actually cold, much colder than it is here. Uh, And maybe that's why Jesus is walking in that place called Solomon's Colonnade instead of out in the open temple area. And it's also festival time. So there's lots of noise perhaps going on in the background. Uh, It's the festival of dedication. Or maybe you've heard it called Hanukkah. Uh, This is a time where the Jews, they look back to 164 BC where a bloke who was nicknamed Judas the Hammer He led the Jews in a revolt, uh, guerrilla warfare style, to overthrow the then Syrian king Antiochus Epiphanes, who had overrun Jerusalem and set up an altar, a pagan altar in the Jewish temple. And so from a Jewish point of view, desecrating the temple. Uh, This festival was a celebration of being free to worship again. That's the setting. Uh, But as you and I might imagine, if the Jews are celebrating a a, a festival, remembering a leader who ran a military campaign, and they've had a long history of leaders who run military campaigns like King David, they may well be looking for a similar kind of king, uh, Messiah, uh, who was to come especially given that while they're free to worship in the temple, uh, they are still living under Roman rule. So if your handout's there, verse 24, Jesus is walking in Solomon's colonnade and the Jews who are around him, they ask that question. 
How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. It's likely a loaded question. Uh, Jesus, uh, when are you going to gather the troops and load up with spears? If you are the Messiah, uh, that's what we expect of you. Get on with it. It's possible too that Jesus' questioners don't have the best motives because uh, of the political and military connections to that title Messiah. If Jesus puts his hand up publicly and says, that's me, he'll likely have the Romans on his back. However we read it, would it make a difference if God made himself clearer? We'll follow you, Jesus, if you give us something more. Tell us more clearly, more plainly. But you see how Jesus answers, verse 25 and 26. He says, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. You see what Jesus is claiming, that there's no lack of evidence. These miracles he's been working, they point to him being God the Son. In fact, as we read the the eyewitness accounts, there's an abundance of evidence. And it all happened in the public square. No no secret messages that that could have been made up. Uh, Just as in chapter 9, we looked at this uh, a couple of weeks back with that healing of that man who was born blind... The evidence was there, but the leaders didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to see. They didn't believe Jesus isn't the leader they wanted, and so they reject him. And can I say that this isn't actually very uncommon today? Uh, There can be this temptation to want Jesus to lead us, but on our terms, for him to deliver Uh, what we think we need. Yes, Jesus, I'll I'll have you as my saviour, but I'll also, well, I like to run my own show. I'd like to tell you how it should be. But sheep don't lead shepherds. Shepherds lead sheep. Which makes that line from Jesus, you don't believe because you are not my sheep, quite confronting. Earlier in this chapter, there's that story uh, about the Middle Eastern sheep pen. Uh, The shepherd would stand outside of the sheep pen and he would call his sheep to himself. Each shepherd had their own unique call uh, and it was a mixed pen, lots of different sheep. Uh, But John extends that. This shepherd calls each sheep by name and they come to him. Your rejection of me, says Jesus to those questioning him, it's due to a lack, it's not due to a lack of evidence, but just that you're not my sheep. How we respond to Jesus speaks volumes. Years ago, um, I remember I was doing Christianity Explored with a group of people, and in that course, we asked three questions uh, Who is Jesus? What did he come to do? Uh, and what does it mean to follow him? A person in that group agreed with much of what the Bible was saying. Uh, Yes, I believe Jesus is God the Son, uh, the Messiah who was to come. Yes, he came to die on that cross uh, in my place to pay the penalty for my sin. 
but no, I will not follow him. This person said I'd have to change too many things. But what does Jesus say in verse 27? He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. How we respond to Jesus, it really matters. Uh, Don't muck around with him. Can I say to you this afternoon, if you have an inkling that Jesus is calling you, pursue him. Talk to him in prayer. Read the Bible. Keep coming along to church. Ask your questions. And as you get to know him, as you begin following him, know that it's the good shepherd calling you by name. But also, if you're someone who trusts and follows Jesus today, just notice how secure you are in him. Has anyone been to the Bega show before? Uh, uh, Bega, if you don't know, it's this beautiful town on the south coast of New South Wales. It's near Tarthra, another great place. Um, and as a kid, I went to the Bega show, but back then safety at the Bega show was, n- was not a real thing. Uh, and so you'd get on this, this carnival ride and you'd be white-knuckling it, thinking, am I going to be okay? Uh, can I hang on until the end? Uh, and sometimes when someone trusts in Jesus, they, they might think the Christian life is a bit like that. Uh, maybe uh, you're young, there's, there's lots of years ahead, and you think, well, I trust in Jesus now, but I'm not sure if I'll be able to hang on uh, throughout all the years which are to come. Look at what Jesus says in verse 28 and 29. Look at the security. He says, I give them, that is my sheep, eternal life. He does it. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. You see how secure you are when you trust and follow Jesus. The shepherd, he, he calls his sheep to himself. It's that irresistible call. He, he calls your name. Uh, Come and follow me, says Jesus. It's not how strong your hands are in clinging to Jesus, but it's the strength of his hands. He will not let you go. It's a wonderful thing. And if we sort of we're thinking what's going on in the text here, if Jesus's opponents aren't already wound up enough, the rocks are in their hands at this point and he's ready to stone them. As he says, verse 30, I and the father are one. Uh, I'm not sure how I'd go if, it, if an angry mob uh, was about to stone me to death. Uh, Jesus seems calm. Uh, I've shown you many works from the Father, he he says to them. For which of these works are you stoning me? It's not for the good works that they reply, but that you, a mere man, claim to be God. They get it. That's right. Jesus is claiming to be God. He's doing things that only God can do. A lack of evidence is not the issue. They've already made up their minds. 
And as the back and forwards continues, Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater. He points to Psalm 82, where another place in the Bible, where somewhere where someone other than God is referred to as gods. Uh, it may be reference to the Israelites of old being referred to as God's son. It's hard to know for sure. But if that's possible, says Jesus, someone other than God being called God's, well then how much more, verse 36, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? He can't be much clearer. I am God's son. I and the Father are one. And from verse 37 and 38, Jesus doesn't expect anyone to believe that he is God on the basis of his claims alone, but also on the basis of his works that he does in the name of his Father. We don't need more evidence. Jesus's actions show him to be God. Uh, and as I'm kind of talking to you this afternoon and feeling pretty distracted, I, there's some good songs playing through the speaker in the background. Uh, it's worth reflecting though, isn't it? Who do you say Jesus is? Uh, is he God uh, or not? And as they, they try and seize him in that narrative, he sort of slips away and we go to another place, and verse 42, in that place, a place where not many miraculous signs, if any, were worked, Jesus has many sheep. And we read, many believed in him. Now, I don't know if you are someone who feels as though you need God to be more clearer, more evidence. If that's you, I'd say, well, look at the evidence. Uh, read John's Gospel. Uh, that you might believe and have life in his name. How we respond to Jesus, it really matters. Uh, and as Liz has invited you, I want to invite you to come to the school hall next week uh, as well. Uh, and next week we're beginning to look at a book called One John. Uh, John, what we've been looking at was written that we might believe that Jesus is God the Son, the Messiah who is to come. 1 John was written that we might have confidence in our relationship with him as believers. So please uh, come along to that. Uh, but just to finish, can I take you to uh, Solomon's Colonnade yet again? Jesus was walking. It, it was wintertime in Solomon's Colonnade. After Jesus rose from death to life, uh, the book of Acts tells the story of the spread of the news of Jesus across uh, the world. And we read this in Acts chapter 2. It says, And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Uh, let's pray that God would be doing that with his church as it meets all over the world. Let's, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that uh, Jesus, your son, 
entered history 2,000 years ago and that he didn't just claim to be the Messiah, the King who was to come. He didn't just claim to be God, but that he showed it through his actions as he calmed a storm and healed the sick and cast out demons, as he gave a blind man sight. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us see that he is God, that we would trust and follow, and we pray that you would have many sheep in the Bundaberg region, and we pray that you would be adding to your number day by day across the entire world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.